Stand Up For The Truth is sponsored by Lakeshore Communications Incorporated and made possible by your generous tax-deductible donations at StandUpForTheTruth.com slash donate. This is Stand Up For The Truth, a packed hour of challenging discussion addressing important issues and topics affecting Christians across the nation. Join the conversation via email at comments at StandUpForTheTruth.com. Now, David Fiorazzo. Good morning, brothers and sisters in Christ. Thank you so much for tuning in. We appreciate you guys so much. And talk about an amazing week, and I don't know why, and I'm not complaining, but um, your sharing of our podcast and the downloads and even the numbers on our website, um, it's been amazing. It's been really a a high, I think, for this year, and I don't know why. I know we have some great guests on the podcast, and we're so thankful for that. I'm learning every day, as you are too, probably. But, man, thank you. So um, new listeners are tuning in all the time, so thank you. Welcome to Stand Up For The Truth. We appreciate you so much, and uh, thank you for your support and prayers. I can't wait to get to our topics today. And you know we cannot get away from this threat to our religious freedom in America with our Constitution. You know, uh, we're going to talk about how to fight back against big tech media, conglomerate, government tyranny, medical tyranny, and uh, just what's happening with uh, Patrick Wood of Technocracy News. But let's open in prayer. Father, thank you. You are God. We are not. We thank you that you are in control, even when it looks like things are out of control. Help us, God, to set our hearts and minds on things above. Help us to set you at our right hand that we might not be shaken. Thank you, Lord, that you are our stability in times of instability and chaos because Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And you never change, Lord, and we thank you that you are sovereign over all things. Uh, We lift up this day to you. Thank you for another day of life and for every believer in the sound of my voice. We praise you for choosing us to go and bear fruit that will last. And we ask God for sensitivity to your Holy Spirit today and every day that we might be doing the work that you've called us to do in our families, in our work environment, on social media, wherever that might be, in our sphere of influence. We love you. We thank you again so very much, God, for the hope that we have in Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Patrick Wood is back with us, Technocracy News and Trends. He is an economic and market forecaster, speaker, author, some great books, which I will put the link to their book page, uh, Technocracy, The Hard Road to World Order. Also, uh, he is the executive director of Citizens for Free Speech. And, um, boy, there's so many other books on globalism, on the just so, so much that's happening. And they have been ahead of the trends, it seems, at Technocracy News. We're going to talk about that today. Patrick, welcome back to Stand Up For The Truth. Good to have you. Hey, great to be with you. Thank you. Um, well, first of all, before we get into a couple very important uh, topics, including the media coverage on the pandemic, on the, I should say, pandemic tyranny or medical tyranny, uh, why that's so important. Um, we haven't had you on in, in many months. So what's been some of the latest research or topics that you've been sharing about at Technocracy News or talking about that are that a lot of people might not be up to speed on. Wow. Well, there, <laughs> you know, I just continue. <laughs> I continue to drill down into the concept and his, historic value of of technocracy, so that people can really understand the whole spectrum around it. it it's very difficult for for most people, in my experience, to get their head around this. It's mm-hmm, so big. Mm-hmm. Uh, is so different um, than anything we've ever faced before. Um, and so it's different. To, it, it's important to look at this from several different angles or as many angles as we possibly can to really understand the nature of the beast. Um, there's been a lot of resistance, however, that has come up all over the world. It's not just here in America. Well, actually, resistance here isn't so strong anymore, but uh, in Europe, for instance, in Germany and France, you you had demonstrations where hundreds of thousands of people will come out to the street and protest against one thing or another, like, you know, COVID passports or social distancing or lockdown, stuff like that. There, there's been tremendous turmoil in Great Britain. Um, and it's uh, it, it's important to see the global picture, um, that, that people are starting to feel a pinch. They don't understand really totally what's happening, but mm-hmm. they do know when... 
when they are getting oppressed, right? They start to feel it. They get anxious and they start to you know protest and talk about it. Um, so that's kind of where we are. The, the resistance has grown around the world against this this technocrat takeover of the planet. <laughs> it's, in my opinion, it couldn't be any. Uh, it, it couldn't be any uh, any later. Uh, you know, we we need this pushback, but um, you know the the battle is on. In in my opinion, uh, where the lines of uh, the lines are being drawn, the sides are being chosen, if you will, and the technocrats are being recognized mm-hmm. for who they are. Mm-hmm. Um, Patrick, even since the last time you were on with us, um, we have so many newer listeners, and I'm thankful for that. And so I'm looking at Wikipedia. Uh, and what they describe as technocracy. And I want you to let us know if this is accurate. They say technocracy is a system of government in which a decision maker or makers are elected by the population or appointed on the basis of their expertise in a given area of responsibility, particularly with regard to scientific or technical knowledge. I know there's more to it than that. Can you clarify? Well, that, that's correct in one sense that, you know, people have said this many times, it's ruled by experts rather than by any type of um, a citizen-oriented political system. Um, and indeed, the, the technocrats of the world today are not elected. They're not accountable to anyone either. Mm-hmm. You know, look at people like uh, Dr. Anthony Fauci, for instance. Yes. Um, he's just there, and he has incredible—he wields incredible policy influence, and he's affected the whole entire country, <clears throat> if not the world, uh, with his policies and, and his um, <laughs> to say his, um, um, you know, his almost religious proclamations that you know this is what you need to do to save yourselves. That's right. Um, but technocracy goes back a lot farther than that. It's a lot deeper than that. It's a definition people don't want you to hear. And that is back in the 1930s when this was this ideology was originally created. It was an economic system that was designed to replace capitalism and free enterprise. Uh, seriously, it it, uh, it was it started at Columbia University in New York City, one of the most actually the most progressive university at the time, still is really. And scientists and engineers, mostly from Columbia, uh, created this economic system from scratch in a you know, in a conference room, they, they, they sketched it out and said, uh, how can we do it? You know, we can, we can do something better than capitalism, which they thought was going to die during the great depression anyway. And, uh, so they, they themselves called technocracy a resource-based economic system. Um, it's very closely modeled to, uh, what we know as sustainable development today, but more importantly, they call it the science of social engineering. And that this is this is a very disturbing thing, and we mm. can we feel this today. We mm-hmm. may not see it, but we feel it. Yeah, scientific uh, the scientific engineering, social engineering of society, and that is getting people to do what you want them to do that they might not otherwise do by controlling and manipulating them. Uh, this is a this is kind of a, a, a an ugly scenario. We saw this expressed, by the way, in World War II through Nazi Germany. Uh, they were very much steeped in this techn- technocracy um, uh, meme, if you will, at the time. And uh, we saw what, you know, we can see what happened with that experiment. Uh, didn't didn't work out well at all for anyone. Um, so technocracy is a, is a much greater concept. We see it today in sustainable development through the United Nations. We see it through the Great Reset at the World Economic Forum. Mm-hmm. We see it through virtually all of the global um, what do you want to call it? The you know the global corporations that that have no loyalty to any given any one country. Um, we see it in China uh, today. That's a whole story by itself. But <laughs> uh, China is very much a technocracy today, run as a scientific uh, social engineering project. Mm-hmm. And scientists and engineers are in control in in China completely over society. You have a social credit scoring system, for instance, that. Uh, that micromanages the movements, the, the activities, and the you know everything uh, that concerning the citizens. They have no freedom whatsoever. But uh, that's what technocracy is. It, it's a destroyer of the of economies. It's a destroyer of political systems. And it was recognized as such back in the 30s and 40s. By the way, we've mm-hmm. forgotten that historically. We've forgotten that as a country, or the world never really knew about it. But we have forgotten about it because it started here. Mm. 
Um, so anyway, that's kind of what technocracy is in a nutshell. Okay. It, 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 I can speak hours and hours about it. Yes. Obviously, but that people would glaze out. <laughs> yeah. But the big takeaway is they called it the science of social engineering. Hmm. And that is just by itself. That ought to make your, your hair stand up on the back of your neck. And yeah, don't we see social engineering take place all around us? You've got four really good books um, you, I really think you guys have, or you in particular, Patrick, have been ahead of the curve on a lot of this. Uh, one of the books, Technocracy, The Hard Road to World Order. Also, you've got one on globalization. You've got one called uh, Trilaterals over Washington. And then Technocracy Rising, The Trojan Horse of Global Transformation. Um, I want to talk about an article I highlighted about 60% here when I printed it out. It's it's called um, well actually let's go to this one first. This one is important because this will set the stage for why we need to fight back and how um, why coverage on pandemic tyranny is so important. And you wrote this um, about a couple of weeks ago. We know now with our media th- th- in America that we cannot trust, and the big tech conglomerate that is kind of locked arms, partnered with the media and the left and the deep state and the Democrats. We're in dangerous times when one side of a debate, conversation or argument gets censored or suppressed. And you say this is not just a story. It is the only story. I'm going to quote you and then you can uh, just elaborate a little bit. You say um, it specifically started on January 30, 2020, when the World Health Organization declared that COVID-19 was a pandemic calling for emergency powers, lockdowns, social distancing, masks, vaccines, etc. You say you predicted this in your 2015 book, Technocracy Rising. There was no way at that time to understand the means of the coup, but it was clear to me that it was coming. Please share a little bit more about that. Well, exactly. My theory here was back in, uh, kind of started back in Nazi Germany when Hitler was rising to power. When when Hitler wrote his book, Mein Kampf, he was in jail, mostly. He was a a rabble-rouser. He was a troublemaker. He wasn't viewed as anybody serious to anything. But he did write it. He had a plan, and he very methodically moved his chess pieces around as he got out of uh, jail and stuff and entered back into politics. And there was one day when he realized, I'm sure, that uh, he had enough, uh, let's call it political capital, to declare himself dictator. And he did. And he'd worked for this for years. He knew what it would take. He knew uh, how many, you know, how many people, how many organizations he had to get under his control, and so on. And he realized when he had all the, the important cards of the game together that he could pull the trump card and say, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm it now. I'm, I'm on top and I'm taking control. And he did that. We don't know exactly when that day occurred for Hitler, by the way, but um, not to, down to the day, but it did happen that way. Mm-hmm. And so he rose to power and he took power. And at that point, it was over. Technocrats are engineers and scientists. They're very, very methodical. They're very, uh, they're much into planning and writing up requirements, uh, analysis, and stuff like that. They, these, this group of people knew exactly what they would have to do in order to assume uh, power over the world. To their, their coup d'état as well could, that could be declared. And so I was predicting in 2015 that these people are so persistent what they're doing that they're and there's no way to stop them at that point that they would eventually arrive at um at a point where they could look at their requirement sheet with all the bullet points on it and stuff and say you know what we've got 80 or 90 percent of these covered now it's time for us you know or we have the the opportunity now to declare ourselves you know to declare um that technocracy is going to rule from now on and this is exactly what we saw on a global scale. Mm-hmm. It's way too egotistical of, of Americans to think, oh, woe is us. We have a problem in America. No, it's not like that. We have a problem in the world. Yes, <laughs> It's exactly. a global phenomenon. Mm-hmm. They shut down the global economic system, not just America. 
Uh, it's not just an American political system that's embroiled right now. This is a global issue. And you can't blame that on Democrats or Republicans or any other group in America. Uh, what do they have to do with Europe, you know, or what do they have to do with China? Nothing. This is a global phenomenon that's being controlled from a global group of technocrats who have decided that they want to convert the world into something that we've never seen before in history. And I know it sounds crazy, but, you know, you just listen to people like Klaus Schwab at the, uh, at the uh, World Economic Forum. He says, you'll own nothing and be happy. <laughs> oh, well, wonderful. Right. <laughs> I, just, yeah, I want to say, hey, Klaus, um, I dig it, but who will own everything? Exactly. <laughs> you know, it's not us. The point is, it's not us. They want us to own nothing. They want to own everything. And this is a global thing. It's not just here. They're they're talking about the whole entire planet. Yeah, I had a guest on yesterday, Stefan Broden, a pastor from Texas, who calls them power elites. That's who will own everything. Those are the ones who are trying to take power now. And it's like, nah, yeah, you won't be miserable. Uh, you will be content with nothing. Boy, some a whole lot of brainwashing and re-education um, has to take place before Americans w- would get to that point. But you start talking about some a few bullet points that are very interesting here. And I know we only have four minutes left in this segment, but you talk about a smart grid and you talk about everything. Whatever can be connected to the Internet will be connected. You mentioned 5G. Are there any of those you would like to touch on right now before we take our first break? Well, actually, this, no, this is kind of a, uh, a package of things, uh, scientific control mechanisms that are being implemented around the world. And it's very serious. It's very silent in most cases because it just doesn't slap you in the face. And, you know, when a new antenna goes up, nobody really thinks about it very much. But uh, if you study it and look at what they're doing and read their own literature, it's like, wow, you know, this, this is not where we want to go anywhere, especially in America. Interesting. And we don't notice those necessarily. We're so busy with our own lives and getting from point A to point B. You, like you said, an antenna will go up somewhere. We think it's out there on a farm. But no, in cities and different things, there's surveillance that uh, is, is at new levels that we never thought. We just thought that was for the science fiction uh, movies or TV shows. But um, do you remember the show, Patrick? It was on, I think, about three, four years ago called Person of Interest. Did you ever see that? Absolutely. I, I watched it several episodes, actually. Fascinating. We thought, no way can they follow a- any person wherever they go and be able to see them and then cut to another camera angle and then pick up their signal and monitor them. But doesn't, isn't that kind of what China has their system in place? Well, it is, and it's what we have in America right now, too. It's growing leaps and bounds, and uh, virtually nobody's really paying attention to it. And, of course, because of the medical pandemic and stuff, you know, people are so focused on just, well, I'm, you know, what, what's the latest variant coming out uh, or how many people are in the hospital. They're so focused on that. They just are completely oblivious to all these other things. That's right. That's right. And I think part of it, too, Patrick, is for those that didn't see any of this coming, it's easy to be either disheartened or overwhelmed and they're just trying to get by day to day. So they, they have not been paying attention. They can't see a lot of the things that you see or that we try to uh, acknowledge and inform others about. So these things, all these things that we mentioned, uh, you kind of close the article toward the end by saying they're all advancing on other fronts. But the main column, medical tyranny, is the shock and awe phenomenon that is sucking all the oxygen out of the room globally, nationally, locally, in the workplace, hospitals, clinic, corporate world, in churches, neighborhoods, and families. And that's an interesting way to put it, Patrick. We're going to take a break right now and come back. But uh, medical tyranny is the shock and awe phenomenon that's sucking all the oxygen out of the room. I love that. That's quotable. Um, We're with Patrick Wood, Technocracy News. When we come back, we'll talk about states and communities and how we can fight back at the local and state level against lawlessness and tyranny. So much more straight ahead on Stand Up For The Truth. Your monthly financial support of StandUpForTheTruth.com is needed and appreciated. Now, back to today's Stand Up For The Truth 
with David Fiorazzo. Our guest today is Patrick Wood, Technocracy News and Trends. Great article on their website at uh, technocracy.news. There's a legal melee. Over half of states vow to fight Biden's vaccine mandates. But we're going to get into another article with how, setting a little background, and then how to fight back against tyranny and lawlessness. Patrick, you, I love the way you started off, and you've tried to warn people for uh, several years now. This is not a war that we started or desired, but it is clear that technocrats at all levels are being exposed for what they are, tyrants. And you say that the battle must be local, defending communities, cities, towns, counties, etc. States also have incredible resources and power if they can be moved to use them. So you're, are you referring to red states? Blue states aren't going to fight back. W- what are your thoughts on that? Just as we begin this article and start to dig into it. Uh, you bet. Um, the political system today in the world, and first I'll say in the world, then I'll say in America, mm-hmm. two, obviously two different things, but we have our own political system in America, but there are quote-unquote political systems everywhere. Political systems are the natural enemy of technocracy. They hate political systems. Mm. They would, and back in the day, in the 30s, they wanted to completely do away with all political systems. They wanted to dismiss Congress. They wanted the court system just basically to go away and all local governments to go away as well. They wanted to control everything from a scientific point of view and just dictate to people what they would do. This antipathy has never gone away. Most people have not recognized this because they haven't studied it, but you can see the hostility between, for instance, the big tech world and government. There is one is using the other or the other is using one. And, you know, you look at it and say, well, who's in charge here? We used to think, well, it's the government's in charge because we, the people, you know, this is our country. We have a constitution, et cetera. Uh, but right now, the technocrats are in charge. They're, they're telling the government what to do, not the other way around. Hmm. And so as we, as, you know, as we move forward talking about this, it's, it's important to understand. Well, it's like in World War II, for instance, there were allies of nations that fought together that were mortal enemies of each other. You know, it's like, well, we have a common enemy, so we'll fight him for now. But there was no love lost between, for instance, Russia and the United States uh, teaming up against Germany. Then we became mortal, uh, you know, once the war was over, we went back to being mortal enemies again. So technocracy generally, technocrats hate government. They have no use for government whatsoever. Mm -hmm. And there will be a day, I believe, when they will, if they completely dominate, as they hope to, they will throw the government leaders of the world under the bus and simply take over and rule by algorithm. Mm, Wow. And um, so in the meantime, our political system is still alive. But to think that we're going to, and my point is, to think that we're going to fight this through a political process is naive, in my opinion, because of this hostility between them. You know, we, we're on the losing side right now, by definition, because there the was a shutdown of the world. It wasn't our Congress that shut down the world. No, right. it was the technocrats that shut right. down the world. So you're saying, Patrick, that we cannot place our hopes in the political process, meaning the next election, we'll just elect some conservatives, hopefully, or maybe Christians, or elect more Republicans, and that's going to help— but it may be too late for that. Am I hearing you correctly? It, it probably is going to be meaningless. It has been meaningless ever since, uh, certainly, the early 1970s. Every government, uh, every um, administration we've had, didn't matter if it was left or right, mm. uh, they have all allowed the, this technocracy movement to move forward. And here we are today. They've, they've been like a, it's kind of been like a nuclear submarine that goes under, stays under the water for, you know, six months at a time. You don't see it, mm. but it's down there doing things. Yep. Um, so <laughs> they, the technocrats have survived every uh, administration since, from Jimmy Carter all the way through to Joe Biden today. Mm. And likely another president is going to be surrounded by the same type of people. The, the reason, the only reason I bring this up, no, Washington's not going to save us. Most of our states are not going to save us. Mm-hmm. 
But the only possible line of defense that we have right now is our local communities, which have incredible power. And um, that's why we're, we're telling people, look, get active in your local community where you can do something about it. Mm. Don't just shake your fist at your TV and holler at the, you know, the Democrats or the Republicans or whatever. Just focus on your get out and focus on your local community. Start going to your city council meetings, go to the board meetings, get involved in your education board, your water board, your fire board. doesn't matter. Any civic activity, get into it and make your voice heard. And uh, city councils are able to pass incredible resolutions that affect everybody in the, in the city and can literally set up a firewall around your town to push the stuff back out of your town. All the, you know, the wokeness, the, the United Nations policies, the, the ideology of, um, you know, smart cities and Internet of Things and surveillance and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Your city can put up an incredible resistance against people coming in and doing things that will, you know, that will take advantage of, of your people and you know, literally kind of plunder your city. And this could be done on a, on a national basis across the country. If enough cities were, were um, set up like that, uh, it would push back to the state level and it would push back to the national level eventually. Yes. If but that's the way we can hope. Yeah, we forget how much power we have at the local or state level and how much power even under our Constitution that the states have. It's not the other way around. The Fed does not control every state in the nation. But, boy, we've been seeing that because the government has gotten so big and massive and they've taken so much power. They've taken so much ground, so to speak. If you want to look at it as a war, they've taken so much ground. And a lot of times we let them because of the lack of pushback. But you say it's going to come down to this, and this is because of Biden's uh, federal-level nationwide vaccine mandate. You say conflict is inevitable. Why? Because it is the first major step towards a two-tier society in which the unvaxxed are cut out of the economy. Patrick, this is frightening to think about, especially when it comes to maybe a grocery store. Not letting someone who's that's the the most frightening thing. We understand flying around the country. They've already done that airlines and maybe sporting events and all these other things. But but when it comes to getting your basic necessities, medical treatment, groceries, this is what you say it may come down to. Yes. And I think it's already there in many, many cases. Um, There was a for instance, just as an example, there was a guy. Um, awaiting um, a heart transplant up in Washington State. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had trouble for years, and um, for whatever reason, he was put on the heart transplant list, and he was patiently waiting to get a heart transplant. That, that takes time. He needs a donor, obviously. And um, his doctor came to him one day and said, uh, have you taken your vaccine yet? And he said, well, I'm not going to take a vaccine. I'm waiting for a heart transplant. <laughs> I, you know, my heart is already damaged. I'm not going to, you know, pour this stuff into my body. And the guy said, well, you have to take your vaccine. He says, well, I'm not taking vaccine. That's crazy. And uh, a couple of days later, he was pulled from the heart transplant list. Wow. They took his name off. Mm. No, No notice to him. He's just gone. Now, this kind of tyranny is wow. just beyond description. You know, what kind of illogic could possess his doctor to think that it's good for him to take a vaccine that is known to cause heart inflammation, you see? Yeah. It, that... it used to be doctors had a code, do no harm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but in this case, it doesn't seem to matter anymore. So, yeah, medical tyranny is just incredible right now. And the haves and the have-nots, you either do it or you're going to be excluded from society. Now, obviously, this guy that was waiting for a heart transplant, his life his life expectancy has just been completely destroyed, right? Yep. He knows he's going to die now for a couple of years. They told him that before. But this is what's happening across all of society right now. You're having the haves and the have-nots set up. And, and I have to say, I have to throw this in. This has been, this has been the spiritual battle since man was put on earth. It's always been this way. The haves and the have-nots, they always get lined up. The devil lines them up on one side or another and gets them to fight with each other. And this is exactly what's happening on a global scale right now. Wow. 
the haves and the have-nots. And it could it could be any other thing. I mean, it could be people wearing green shirts versus people wearing red shirts. It doesn't really <laughs> matter what you know what the issue is. But right now, it happens to be this health, all this health stuff. Mm-hmm. And so, you do you have a vaccine? Did you get vaccinated or didn't you get vaccinated? Did, do you have a, a, a vaccine passport or do you not have a vaccine passport? Are you wearing a mask or not wearing a mask? Um, you see, all all of these things now are setting up this great divide that eventually will lead to war, to fighting. It, it always does, and it always, it always has, and it will in the future. And it's unfortunate that it has to be this way, but it is, it is really self-evident that when, when communication stops in a society, fighting begins. It's always that way. Interesting. And they've shut down half of the country when it comes to opinions or our information or communication. Yeah. They're shutting down, censoring, suppressing. Um, in your article, you say a person has two choices at this point. And I know a lot of our listeners might feel a little... Um, sad by this, but this is where we are. We've got to face where we are. We've got to pray and by faith, take a step, move on, do what we can while we have time. You say a person has two choices, fight or be enslaved. There is no third option. There's no walking away. There's no hiding from it, and there's no passive solution to it. And I think we're seeing that more and more people are waking up to this fact, fact, Patrick. And you say a little further on in another article, I believe, uh, new mutations— and this is what they're going to use. I, we can see it coming. We've had the, the Delta variant, and then we've got another one, then there will be another one, and then they'll need a new booster shot. You say this, quote, new mutations of COVID-19 will be conveniently found every year from now on, meaning the public will have to get new vaccinations constantly, and medical tyranny will never go away unless people take an aggressive stand. Wow, that sounds like such a provocative statement, but I think more of us are realizing there's truth to it. Yes, I, there, there is. And, you know, it's going to take a lot of backbone for people when they when they finally conclude that their life is going to be turned upside down. And just maybe, just maybe, that is what God wants them to do. <laughs> In fact, you know, this... You have to take a stand somewhere and say, I'm not playing, I'm not playing with this anymore. And there is a, and I have to say, there's a huge religious core to this called scientism. Scientism has been written about extensively in the last century by people like C.S. Lewis and F.A. Hayek and so on. It's a great body of literature hmm. on what scientism is and how dangerous it is. Uh, a lot of fictional works have been written about it, too. Um, but we see, we see the concept of scientism that worships science. Essentially, science becomes its god, mm-hmm. and you know you think of you think back to um, the story of uh, uh, of Daniel and his friends when when Nebuchadnezzar uh, set up a statue of gold and said, "When you hear the music play, you all bow down and worship the statue," which represented him. And Daniel said, "No, uh, I'm not going." You know, I, you could just see him out in the out in the plane. Everybody bowing down, uh, kind of like they do in Islam, you know, when they pray. Everybody's bowing down, and he's standing up, looking around, you know, hey, what's going on, dudes? <laughs> and, you know, it, it, easy to spot, and they came and took him away and threw him in the furnace. You know, the Lord delivered him, didn't he? You know, mm-hmm. so they, they, were, uh, they were an example of what, uh, you know, standing against the crowd. And we're kind of to this point right now where Christians are going to start, especially Christians, are going to start to say, you know, will I bow, will I bow to worship this God of science like they want me to? Or will I stand up and, uh, you know, walk with my, with, my, with my principles, with my faith, hmm. with what I know to be true in the Bible? And there, there's going to come a time for a lot of Christians when they will feel like Daniel as he's being thrown into the fiery furnace. <laughs> and they're going to have to pray like crazy that God is going to deliver him. But you know what? If God doesn't deliver him, that's okay too. Uh, that was Daniel's attitude at least. Yes. Um, but this is where we've come. You know, it's like everything's changed, but nothing's changed in the world. You know, it's like you look back historically, say, yeah, I see it here, 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 and here. <laughs> but, but now it's getting up close and personal. 
with it's not just theoretical anymore. Right. People are being faced with these kinds of decisions now every day, and a lot of them are Christians, as a matter of fact, not exclusively, but a lot of them are. And they're faced with how you know if your employer tells you you're going to get a shot or else, and you say, well. You could. I mean, it's your choice. You could get a shot and keep your job. But some people are going to say, you know, I'm uh, my my body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. I'm not going to pour poison into it intentionally, trying to kill it. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to do it. Yeah. And so goodbye. I'm gone. And in fact, you know, you look at what's going on in a lot of hospitals right now. Nurses and doctors are walking out and saying, no, no way. We're not going to take this vaccine. And they they're gone. Mm-hmm. They're they're out of. Their career's been totally disrupted. I think I read somewhere that um, between 20 and 40 percent of um, nurses or people that work in hospitals are not willing to get the vaccine. But um, it's interesting. You, we were talking about science and the left seems to be they, they just say, well, we're all about science. We forget as Christians that science basically means knowledge. It's knowledge about the study uh, or research about the national uh, the natural world based on what is learned through experiments or observation. But science means knowledge. And the scriptures are full of knowledge, but we don't go. Now we're, we're putting more faith in science and the scientists. And as a friend of mine always says, science doesn't speak. Scientists do. Most mm-hmm. scientists are atheists or humanists, or they're certainly don't, they don't abide by the Christian worldview. Uh, Patrick, yeah. we've got one more minute left. Um, interesting that Biden says we'll follow the science. Well, when authoritarians force their agenda on the rest of us, they consider it good science-directed government, but they're ignoring science. They're not looking at the numbers. They're not providing context. They play on emotions. Biden recently said in a speech, it's the right thing to do vaccine mandates or whatever else. So they're not giving us facts and numbers. We're going to talk about that from this article. We'll get through it, hopefully, when we come back. Um, You mentioned the median death rate of COVID. You talk about the percentage of hospital ICU beds that have been occupied by COVID patients and talking about the vaccines themselves, the lack of research. So we'll get into a little bit more of that when we come back and talk about how they can continue to say, we're following the science and you're not. And they're getting away with it. More with Patrick Wood from Technocracy News and Trends coming up next on Stand Up For The Truth. Thank you for listening and sharing today's show via StandUpForTheTruth.com slash podcast. Now, back to Stand Up For The Truth. Here's David Fiorazzo. Patrick Wood, uh, during the break, before we got back on the air here, you said the numbers, talking about the numbers, whether that be COVID death rate or hospitals and ICUs, people put on ventilator, you said the numbers are just staggering. And yet we've got an administration saying they're following the science and doing the right thing. Um, Let's get back to the basics mainly. In this article, you talk about the median death rate of COVID. Um, So wherever you want to go here, we also talked a little bit about Kate Daly and her husband, how they had to fight the medical staff to prevent him from being placed on a ventilator. And they finally got the treatment they wanted to get, and he was out in two days, and he was better. So go ahead, share your thoughts on on this, on the yeah. numbers, getting back to the basics of what you know. We're not, you we're, know, Kate, the thing, that the takeaway from from Kate Daly's story, in my opinion, is that is the protocols that are killing people, mm-hmm. not the virus. Yes. And when I say the protocols, it means the 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 treatment is being handed down from on high which was never historically the case in any medical profession in the world. Usually, the, you know, the, 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 patient, the patient-doctor relationship has always been uh, sacrosanct, that, you know, you decide with your doctor what the right treatment for you is. But not anymore. The, mm. the protocols come from the CDC. They come from, you know, departments of health here and there. And doctors are, are forced now into following these protocols, whether they like it or not, whether it makes sense or not, it's immaterial. They just are trained now to do it and shut up otherwise. Mm-hmm. So the, whatever the protocols are, in Kate's case, it almost killed her husband. And she said, we're not, we're not going to do that. We're going we're gonna to do what makes sense. And he did walk out healthy in a couple of days. And they were all amazed <laughs> that wow, he's the first guy that ever walked out in two days from ICU. And you know, What's the matter with you, doctors, anyway? Are you blind? Um, 
but um, but here's the thing: um, so many people have died needlessly from this thing because mm-hmm. of the manipulation of the the narrative. And in India, for instance, just a good example: the the equivalent of our Department of Justice in India has sued the chief scientist at the World Health Organization for war crimes. And you say, well, why? Well, because they intentionally smeared and suppressed HCQ and ivermectin. Yep. Declaring it was an evil, dangerous, uh, untested drug, et cetera, et cetera. And they put, they put this false pressure on a known successful treatment that could have saved the deaths of, they figured, at least half of the Indians that died in hospitals. Wow. And so their legal system, somebody had, had, you know what, <laughs> they said, we're, we're, put, we're not putting up with this anymore with you guys. You know, you're, you're guilty because you have suppressed a known successful treatment for disease. And um, for that, you should be held responsible. Now, this has happened in America, too. Uh, it's the only reason I give that story. We're, our DOJ is not going to sue anybody. You know that. Um, but at least not under this administration. But here's the thing, for, for all of the suppression of decent drugs that were already in the market, tested, approved for decades, et cetera, that could have prevented hundreds of thousands of deaths in America, uh, those people died needlessly. And you know, people like Fauci who say, oh, that's, oh, you should never take that drug. That's not tested. You need, a vac- you need to wait for the vaccine. This is, this is criminal. Mm-hmm. In my opinion, it's just absolutely criminal that they did this. And it was intentional. It was not just an accident. It wasn't just, well, uh, the, the paper I read uh, was missing pages five and seven. It's, <laughs> you know, when I read it, I didn't get the whole thing. No, this is purposely intentional, totally intentional on the part of these medical technocrats to hide legitimate, salute, legitimate treatments for covid and as a result, many people died that should not have died. We need to count those deaths. Those people count, in my opinion. They count. And did people get sick with, with COVID and die? Yes, they did. Of course they did. People get, have gotten sick from the flu forever and for other things. that They, they die. It's a tragedy to their family, truly. But, um, you know, you've got, you've got a class of people here that are imposing these um, – they're imposing policies – that are intentionally destructive of human life. Hmm. And that's, that's, that's a dangerous statement, I realize, but, you know, abortion was a dangerous thing, too. Hmm. Intentionally terminating life. This, this is a moral and ethical issue, right? <laughs> Do you think we'll get to the bottom of this, Patrick, particularly when it comes to ivermectin or hydroxychloroquine? Because there are many doctors that will say, no, that there hasn't been enough uh, research to know whether that's effective against COVID. And they continue to tout their talking points and saying, no, this is not the proper protocol. But yet you read a lot of medical sites and a lot of doctors that are saying, no, this has been used to treat things similar to COVID. And y- your thoughts on that, because if they, it could have been used to help people, how complicit is the media and government and those who are saying, no, this this is bad, because maybe because you know, Trump uttered the words. Yes. Well, <clears throat> uh, this this points out or underscores my earlier thought about the antipathy between these technocrats, medical technocrats in this case, and the government. Um, the government has been, and the media as a result of it, has been used by these medical technocrats to spread their propaganda. And to put teeth to them, in the case when you get a hold of the government, the government has teeth to make things happen. You mm-hmm. know, they can force you to do stuff. The media can't force you to do anything. Government can. They have the guns. They have the, the you know, the the penalty of jail and stuff like that. Um, but in this case, um, the government didn't come up with this stuff. The media didn't come up with this stuff. They didn't invent it out of thin air. Mm-hmm. This was all fed to them yep. by these medical technocrats. Exactly. And so who has the power here? I mean, that's, that's where I look at. Okay, who, who has the power in this situation? It's not the government. It's not the media. They were simply fed the line. They're following the line, the narrative that they were fed by Big Pharma and these medical technocrats. 
So, Patrick, you've got, and I think this is uh, this article just came out um, recently. You've got the median death rate of COVID, according to almost every single medical study and every official government tally, at 0.26 percent of the infected. We have flipped our nation and our many of our lives upside down for a virus. And, and this, is just, this is just astounding to me that 99.7% of people survive. I had it uh, late July, early August. I had it. I survived. I mean, it was bad. I, I got some awful symptoms for a while. And a lot of people don't get those all the symptoms. But there's a lot of survivors that went through this. And yet, yet the what you say, the draconian medical controls, controls, medical controls have been astounding. But, and they justify it. How do they keep doing that? Yes, they do because of people like Anthony Fauci, um, who continues to defer to "quote unquote" the science, but we know it's not really science. He's he's flip flopped his, you know, his own opinions. I don't know a dozen times mm-hmm. in the last year. Um, but you know, if you trace the concepts of of scientism back far enough, that's the worship of science. Um, you run into a, a French philosopher by the name of Henri de Saint-Simon. He's considered to be the father of technocracy as well as scientism. And he started out this whole thing by, by making this statement. He said, a scientist, my dear friends, is a man who foresees. It is because science provides the means to pre- predict that it is useful, and the scientists are superior to all other men. That's a direct quote from his writing. <laughs> He created what he called the new Christianity, and it wasn't Christianity at all. It was based on scientism. But right. he said very pointedly that what we needed in society was to create a priesthood of scientists and engineers wow. that, would, that would minister to science and bring science down to the people. Now, this is exactly what we wow. have today. A priesthood. On. Fascinating. Yes. Yeah. A, priesthood, a priesthood of science. And his, his chief disciple, August Comte, who became the father of social sciences in the world, um, he executed that dictate, if you will, that mandate that, uh, you know, to create a priesthood of scientists and engineers that would, um, that would uh, you know, minister to this God and bring science down to the people. And you look at somebody like, uh, like Fauci now. He is, in our country, the high priest of scientism. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He listens care. He, he travels up the mountain and he lives. He listens care, carefully to the oracle. <laughs> you know, you can just hear him inclining his ear to listen to the oracle of science. <laughs> what does science say today? You know, yep. well, yesterday it said this and that. Well, forget that. That's out now. Today, science is saying, and this is what you must do today. This this brings up a picture in my mind of what you know, what the Incas used to do when they would climb up the volcano, you know, and they would listen to the volcano and say, what does the volcano need so it doesn't get mad at us and, you know, spit lava, fire down on us? Well, well, you know, this month you need to sacrifice two virgins to the to the volcano. <laughs> and they come down and they say, well, you know, said if we want to live another year, we have to take two virgins up there and throw them into the volcano and satisfy and appease the volcano. Of course, that's absolute nonsense. Yeah, yeah. But this is a, this just as much nonsense today as it was back then. It's so, just like what? Yeah. So you no reality to this whatsoever. It's pure fiction. So, Patrick, are you implying that Dr. Fauci is hearing voices? Uh, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> let's briefly. Well, <laughs> we, we, yeah, I know. Well, I know they're demonic spirits. Spirits speaking. Um. Let's. We've. I knew I, we wouldn't get through this article, but I'll put it on the on the po- podcast post today. It's amazing. The article is: states and communities can fight back against tyranny and lawlessness. Sixty uh, percent of infection cases in Israel are now, from what we understand, fully vaccinated people. I wish we had time to unpack that, but let's get to some solutions, Patrick. In the last couple minutes, and I'm sorry, I, I we don't have that much time left, but you put a lot of information on how we can fight back starting with ignoring the mandates, trying to live life as normal. Um, but just share your thoughts on how citizens and Christians, concerned citizens and 
those of us can fight back against this? Absolutely. Number one, don't play the role that they expect you to play. Whatever that role is, don't play it. Hmm. Just ignore it and do what you do what you would normally do. Now, if that causes you to, to, if that means you have to sacrifice something, just be willing to sacrifice it. Like, for instance, if they don't let you in the store because you're not wearing a mask, don't go to that store. Mm-hmm. Just say, you know what? I'm not going to go to your store and walk. And maybe they will accommodate you some other way. It's an inconvenience for you. Do it that way. But don't play the narrative that they want you to play, the, the role that they want you to play. Secondly, get out and start communicating again with people. Don't don't hide out and, uh, you know, buy into this all. Oh, well, you got to be completely separated from society. No, yes. this is anti-society, anti-human. Yes. You need to be in touch with people. You need to talk to people. You need to encourage people. Uh, the last thing I'll say is you need to get courage and encouragement. And that you get that from the Word of God. Mm-hmm. I'll say you need to study your Scripture. Go back and read Nehemiah, read Daniel, read Isaiah, read Jeremiah. They had that they were required to have courage to do what they did. We need courage today as ever before in the church, especially. Amen. Thank you. The church is just melted. Yes. In so many cases, just melted in fear. They've lost courage. They've lost hope. And on one hand, you'd like to say shame on them. But on the other hand, you know, you have to have compassion on these people. Say, look, buck up, you know, pull your... (laughs) Pull your boots up, man. You you got you got to get into the, you know you got to get into the battle and face the music here. You know, read what Jesus said about the conflict you're going to have with the world and mm-hmm. figure out what's your role in it. What what role does He want you to play, and Amen. then play that role. Amen. Our our feet are founded on the rock and the biblical worldview and the inerrancy, the truth of scriptures. Uh, we'll have a solid foundation. Jesus is the cornerstone, and we will not fear. We have not been given a spirit of fear. I like the way you put it. You say, if, you know, you, people can be taken up by this irrational COVID circus of fear. Patrick, but as Christians, of course, we are not to fear. Fear not is, is 365 times in the Bible, according to some counts. That's one for every day. So we need to get back to the Word. We need to trust God and His sovereignty, but use wisdom and caution uh, Patrick Wood, Technocracy News, thank you so much for uh, unpacking some of this for us. And God bless you, brother. Keep fighting the good fight. I appreciate that. Thank you for everything you're doing, too. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Um, when we come back, got some great guests next week. We'll uh, get into the lineup and let you know who you, who you can hear from next on Stand Up For The Truth. Stand Up For The Truth, a ministry of Lakeshore Communications Incorporated. Keep the discussion going on social media. Stand Up WI on Facebook and Twitter. Now we wrap up today's Stand Up for the Truth. Quickly, over on one of Patrick's sites, Citizens for Free Speech. That's citizensforfreespeech.org. They're having a town hall next Thursday, September 23rd, on how censorship is killing America and what we can do to stop it. Check that out, citizensforfreespeech.org. And next week... We've got Jim Fletcher on Monday, a journalist. We'll be talking about Israel. Julian Appling, Wisconsin Family Council on Tuesday. Got questions? Shay Hoodman on Wednesday. Robert Meyer of the uh, Renew America and Dr. Duke Pesta on Friday. Thank you so much for tuning in. Have a great weekend. God bless you. And as always, keep speaking the truth about things that matter. <laughs>